Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to episode number four here at Let Freedom Reign. I am your host, Jason. This episode marks the first of our series of Friday episodes, so from here on out, you can look forward to a new episode every Friday. Before I get on to guest introductions, I just wanted to thank everybody involved in the launch of this podcast. I want to thank Jeremy Sfietzer over at Charlie 5, Genevieve Allen, as well as Kurt Little at Ralph Camo and North Powder. Thank you guys very much for participating in that initial launch. Thank you to everybody, all the fans and listeners out there who have been involved with social media and the iTunes platform as well as Spreaker. So this week's guest is Sandy Rebar. She is an author and performing arts educator. In this episode, we discuss a very interesting concept and perspective brought up by Sandy of setbacks and comebacks and how that's applicable to all seasons in life. I encourage you all to visit sandyrebar.com, S-A-N-D-Y-R-I-B-A-R.com, That is a blog where Sandy posts a lot of her written material. Should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on whatever podcast platform you listen to would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Instagram and Facebook at Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Sandy Rebar. Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me. No, I want to uh, thank you very much for making time for us here at Let Freedom Reign, and we always enjoy having folks on who are willing to share their story and, and provide a little content and helpful material for the other folks out here listening to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. I want to say that I love the title of your podcast. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, obviously, it, it means a bunch to me and, and kind of sums up my story with horsemanship, but uh, if it's hit yeah. so close to home with you you mind sharing with folks what, what your interpretation of it is? Well, I think, um, you know, as we get a little further in the story, but I mean, I, you know, basically I got into horse riding late in my life. I used to kind of be able to run on the beach or something when I was young on a horse. And I, it just always rang a freedom to me. It always felt like free and exhilarating. So I think, you know, Regardless, I've had a lot more sub- setbacks and comebacks getting to back to that freedom feeling, but um, my story with horses has really been a freedom song. So I appreciate the title and I just love, you know, listening to podcasts and I get I look at listening to others for encouragement and motivation and um, inspiration. So I'm really glad that you are doing this forum. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you very, very much for the kind words and and that's what we're kind of all about here at the podcast is, is helping folks out, you know, and providing folks with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, in going back through your history, I know writing has kind of been a very, very important part of your life throughout the lion's share of your life. And, mm-hmm. and you've authored a bunch of material and, you know, a journalist and you've played a huge role in, in, in education. Can you share with mm-hmm. folks uh, some of your history in writing? Yeah, you know, um, well, first of all, I guess writing we're talking with a T now. Yes, writing um, with a T. Yeah, you're writing with a T. Um, is in my blood. I mean, I grew up in a family of 
published authors, journalists, and writers. So um, my father, for example, was a broadcaster, journalist, sports broadcaster in the Bay Area. There are published journals from my ancestors going back several generations. So I guess like them, um, I just always felt the desire to write down my stories um, in a journal. That's how I started. And I've been writing journalists, uh, I'm sorry, keeping a personal journal, reflective type of journal for uh, over 25 years. And uh, typically I'm just making applications to life lessons about whatever it is I might be doing at the time in my life, or perhaps I'm reading something and making a personal reflection. And so, you know, I had stacks and stacks of these journals and then I decided to kind of get them together and um, assimilate like topics and um, put them together into a blog. So that's the way I'm kind of doing journaling now. It's kind of uh, a more public uh, forum. It's out of my bedside table and onto the computer and onto the internet. Secondly, in terms of the educational writing, you know, I'm, I've been in performing arts almost my whole life. Uh, started teaching dance and choreographing musicals probably from the time I was 15 years old. And uh, that's been a while. So, uh, <laughs> um, so as a result, you know, at one point I did um, have a couple dance studios and then um, I kind of moved out of the private dance sector and into public education and working uh, particularly in elementary education teaching movement first, and then um, moving into um, bringing kids onto stage, teaching through song and words and movement, you know, in the form of many musical productions. So I probably wrote about 30 of those. And I thought, I got to come up with some characters I can use over and over. And always the productions um, taught some life lessons about perseverance and teamwork and overcoming obstacles was always the recurrent theme in every show I ever did. And so it was neat because kids would be telling a story through their, you know, production. And they would kind of be learning teamwork and perseverance, and they'd be telling a story about it as well. And they were in the story. They were the stars of the story. So uh, through that, I, cre I uh, created a series called um, Kids on Assignment, The Adventures of Rex and Ruby. And these were mini musical production kits that could be used by educators to, um, uh, in very simple fashion, enable them the tools to um, uh, stage a 30-minute production using, uh, you could put up to 100 kids in a show, uh, as few as five. And they were uh, used in, uh, or still have been used in uh, elementary education, you know, in the classroom teacher, with classroom teachers, with whole schools, with home schools, with churches, with after school programs. Um, and uh, so Rex and Ruby are kid recorders who, reporters who travel the globe on assignment for an adventure magazine. Uh, they're sent on assignment by the chief who's on the red phone. So little sh shades of Charlie's Angels there. <laughs> and um, the chief you never see, but uh, just always gives them an assignment gives them warnings, and helps them out when they're in trouble. So that was a wonderful work that I really enjoyed doing in my life, is, um, writing and producing those 
those production kits. So I wrote the songs and everything. So I was going to say, I, I have huge respect for writers. I truly believe it's kind of a dying art, especially with the advent of social media and a lot of it going to more of a video format or even, mm-hmm. even a verbal format or a verbal delivery mm-hmm. with, with podcasts. So a mm-hmm. uh, huge respect for you to stick with it and kind of carry on the tradition of your family. It sounds like it's an extremely versatile and beneficial program. And I think it's amazing that you uh, are reinvesting, you know, in the youth and kind of trying to keep that, that format alive. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, a, a great work of love in my life. Thank you. Now, going back in parts of your story, you talked about um, having a couple dance studios and then, and then making the transition into public education. Mm-hmm. What was the root of that transition or, or, or how was that changed yeah. for you? That was a, that's such a good question, um, uh, Jason. Here's how it happened, just organically, like many things do in our lives. Um, you know, when you're in private education, you have a dance studio, you're teaching very technical things. Um, you know, I taught classical ballet and jazz and musical theater. Um, for people, you know, that maybe want to go someplace with that um, and take it, you know, further in their lives and, you um, you know, you offer that. What happened was, you know, I had a studio, like maybe 130 students, uh, and I already had three children of my own, and oh, I was Lord. pregnant with my fourth, and it was just too much. So I sold that studio, and... Basically, my kids were going to school at that time, and I said, well, I'm going to go to school with my kids and volunteer in the classroom, just like, you know, most parents want to be involved in their kids' lives. And this kindergarten teacher says to me, you know, Sandy, I know what you do, and I'm wondering if instead of working in the classroom grading papers or, you know, different things that we might have you do, if you would be willing to teach movement to the kids. I said, yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations great. to them for seeing the seeing the strength and the resource. You know, yes, yes. She was just a she's a, a Helen Purcell. Her name was and just a, just a great teacher, educator. Went on to be a great administrator, and um, so I'm grateful to her because that. So then I had to learn all new goals and objectives because now you need to find ways to reach all students, right? Yeah, uh, at all levels. And the expectations and the outcomes are completely different. So I got involved in um, being on teams that were writing uh, criteria for the state of California, uh, for the uh, county, uh, criteria for um, visual and performing arts. And so I got educated kind of through the system and uh, it just grew from there. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome. So you'd also mentioned that that horses came to you later in life. Yeah. How did how did you make it to the horse? Yeah. Well, you know, it was just a simple decision. Uh, I had a friend, Tammy, and she and I were actually. I was doing uh, working for a while in, in uh, fitness. I do a lot of fitness education as well, and we were working in a gym together. And we just got talking one day, and she's like, "You know, I'm thinking about I want to start riding horses." I'm like, "Yeah, me too." And I think it was a little bit concurrent with us having an empty nest. I don't think we made that connection at the time, mm-hmm. but perhaps there was going to be. We recognize it was time there was going to be time um, more available to us to do something that we just really wanted to do 
so it just was as simple as that. So I went up the road and I found found a place and got the flyer and signed us up for some lessons and that's how it started. So we didn't have horses of our own and I'm a very much of course having a dance background I really believe in foundational teaching. Like I said just I want you to teach me like I'm an elementary student. I want you to teach me from the ground up how to be safe, how to work around a horse, how to understand a horse and uh you know I I remained with um great instructors all the way through this time but uh that's kind of how it started. And I leased a horse for about a year and a half. And then after that, a young girl who um, was a, is a great rider and trainer in her own right had this sweet little horse named Jubilee. And uh, her name was Susanna. So Susanna was going off to college. And she needed a home for Jubilee. <laughs> so I said, well, ride her until you find somebody to buy her. And then, of course, that's how it started. So I'm I bought Jubilee. That, yeah, that rider became the buyer. Yeah, yeah. And I used to watch Susanna, Jason, and I'd say, oh, my gosh, I want to ride like that someday. Just, you know, that avatarian kind of feel where she was just so united with that horse. So I've been aspiring to that. <laughs> no, it's great chasing the uh, yeah. chasing the horsemanship side of it and now mm-hmm. kind of looking back of where, where I'm at currently and where I was and even how I got my start the foundational training and the foundational instruction is huge. Yes. And you find once you start getting into these higher level horsemen and these experts and, you know, world renowned horsemen, mm-hmm. you find out that they're just that much better at the foundational training. Yeah. You know, oh, it's, I'm a it's, total believer. Yeah. It's not like a huge skill set. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very simple concept and in concept, but execution is where the, Mm. people typically have their pitfalls, you know, and timing and feel and pressure and and working with the horse. And for me, I've loved over this last year developing my ability to read an animal, right? Read what effort is and read when it's, Mm. we're we're going too far, read when we need to kind of pull the reins Mm -hmm. and, and kick back a little bit. It's been great. Yeah, me too. And you mentioned, you know, and it's so true working with a horse. I think you know, anytime we try something new, right, it's something challenging. It can be a career, a relationship. It can be, you know, anything new. You're, you're going to grow and there's going to be, you know, it's challenges. But I think what's unique, you know, when you're working with a horse, I mean, you're actually attached. And, you know, there's, there's it's just a different level, I think, of partnership um, and trying to like you say, read one another. Uh, so it's really a big part of the journey. No, sure. I think it's I think I think it's exciting times to be in the horse industry. I mean, there's huge mm. changes as far as tack and equipment and training philosophies, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, with social media and a lot of these clinics and the exposure yeah. that the these high end clinicians or these access that we have to these high end clinicians in horsemen yeah. is it's it's yeah. impressive. And I'm grateful, especially being a late bloomer. <laughs> no, and that's <laughs> right? kind of my perspective on it, right? right? I, I did it when I was younger. I went away. I played baseball for a long while. And when baseball mm-hmm. ended, I needed mm-hmm. something to fill that void. So I got back into horses. Now, mm. that being said, most folks trying to go the path that I'm, I'm going, I mean, shoot, they probably got a 15, 20-year jump on me. 
And mm-hmm. I don't have 15 or 20 years to kind of figure things out. So there yeah. came a point where I tried to do as much as I could on my own accord. I thought I was relatively intelligent and athletic. And then mm-hmm. you get to a point where you just don't see the development. Or for me, I can say, I got to a point where I just didn't see the development as mm-hmm. rapidly as I wanted, or I didn't see my time as being as efficient as I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. And that's when I started to to look mm-hmm. towards mentors and, and, and kind of shop around a little bit. And fortunately, I've been able to find phenomenal mentors helped me not only with my horses, but in life in general and, and just mm-hmm. being a man and, and, and being a leader. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the tireless effort towards education, I think, is kind of what, what draws me to the horse and, and horsemanship in general. I love that. So true. I agree. And uh, like you say, it's so we're so fortunate that there are so many wonderful resources available to us. Um, like you say, um, clinicians and online and that, but also I'm so grateful just for the, the committed trainer that is in my own barn, you know? Um, and it's just been incredible uh, what uh, she will couple, I've had a couple of them, um, what they have done for me, uh, in, in my, uh, development, growth and development with my horse. And you bring up a good point there. I equate it back to my baseball experience, right? I played for God knows how many coaches in my career Mm -hmm. and each of them has their own philosophy and their own applications and methods. And Mm -hmm. you kind of take the good from each of them and and what you don't understand or what they're not, not necessarily Mm -hmm. good at. Right. Uh, You disregard. I take a very similar approach to horsemanship in my education. Mm-hmm. But I think it is imperative that you have to have some kind of consistency in your program, mm, right? True. And and, mm-hmm. and you have to have almost, yeah, like a foundational approach. And then you take the bits and pieces of other instructors or avenues or disciplines and, and, and develop your own skill set. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I started out down the team roping route. It was fun, mm-hmm. but there wasn't such a focus on horsemanship when I started. And now learning so many other, being exposed to so many other disciplines mm. benefits my overall ability to ride, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's really neat. And I think that's really insightful that, you know, that you saw that so early on. Um, in contrast, like for me, I think it's funny or it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I never even had a pet growing up. Right. So I, I, you know, when you talk about horsemanship and all of that, I really, I didn't realize, I guess, how, how important the, um, the connection, the, the kind of the, you know, the, 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 the natural horsemanship that, you know, is out there, like how important that was. I was just out there for the fun. I was just thought, Oh, we're just going to get out. And we're going to, like you said, going down that team roping route. Yeah. You know, um, we were doing reined cow horse. I'm like, this is this is fun, man. Let's just go. You know, go go fast. Like, go hard. Let's just. This is awesome. You know, and it was really only after a traumatic incident, I think, that in my case, I really started to understand. Wow, I I had a lot to learn uh, about the uh, a true connection with my horse. Yeah, know? I was gonna say for. For you to go from not having a pet to showing an interest in horses and then picking rain cow horses is attempt number one. I mean, you definitely set the bar pretty high there, Sandy. 
Well, yeah, it's the story of my life, Jason. And, you know, uh, sometimes I have more courage than I have good sense. And then I figure out the good sense later on. I would say we all got a little bit of that in us. Right. Uh, It comes out in different ways. And I, you know, that people have told me like, really? Gosh, you did that. Like, I mean, you know, on year three, you know, of ever riding a horse. So uh, there you go. Live and learn. Yeah, I was going to say, so talk to us about that jump because that's a, for those that don't know, I mean, that's a huge jump in skill set to go from mm. real, real green to a little less green in three years. I mean, that's a, that's a very precise and mm-hmm. an elite level of riding. Yeah, I love the reined cow horse that has the dry work, the cow boxing and the fence work. But, you know, first of all, uh, you need to understand that I was always 100% of the time working with the trainer. So she mainly was showing my horse at that time in the beginning. And I would show in the, you know, green as grass raining, Mm -hmm. for example, or green as grass boxing. And I was working my way up. And, um, you know, I showed a couple times in the green as grass, I guess, amateur, green, whatever you call it, reined cow horse, where I did all three disciplines. And, um, but I was just scratching the surface. And I worked all the time with my trainer. Christy Santos was my trainer at that time. She mm-hmm. knew my horse. She was one of the Jubilee's first trainers. I got Jubilee when she was six. Uh, she already had a real solid three, four years of training on her. So she was way more advanced than I was as a rider. So I knew that. <laughs> no, I've, I've lived a very, very close parallel as far as okay. horse selection. So I get where you're coming from on that. Okay. Right, right. So I was like, oh, man, I need to come up to speed here. And um, so, you know, my trainer, Christy, was just amazing. I mean, she just showed me all the ropes. She had that right ability to know how to make sure I was working as technically correct as I could and that my horse was also working as technically correct as I as as she could again things I respect being a ballet teacher and um and at the same time you know letting us go you know and I there's there's that point where you have to encourage and say go for it a little bit you know and she, she helped me. She drew limits with me too. Like, oh, yeah, Sandy, I know you want to do that, but like, yeah, not yet. You know, so she yeah. was kind of that voice for a while. She was definitely pacing me. And uh, so anyway, we were practice, you know, we would practice a lot. I would practice with this trainer and other people. One day, you know, we had been practicing probably a little too long. <laughs> and the footing wasn't really great where we were working. And basically it was... Uh, fatigue and you know footing and form all started to become factors jubilee fell with me on her she was just mad at i think <laughs> losing her steer but she was fine um, but i wasn't so they took me away in an ambulance i broke three bones basically i landed with my arm overhead on hard ground so I broke the head of my humerus where it goes into the socket. I broke the humerus bone, broke the elbow. Jeez. You know, so, yeah. So, but awesome surgeons put it back together, you know, with plates and screws. And I'm grateful to say that through much diligent rehab, um, physically, I am doing everything I was doing before the accident. So I'm grateful for that. The bulk of the comeback from that has been uh, emotional, mental, with regard to 
getting back on that horse and riding. You bring up very valuable points in in the horse world that I think a lot of people overlook. And mm. one is knowing your physical limitations as a human being. Right. Right. Being able to understand the horse's limitations, right, as an athlete right. or an animal. And mm-hmm. and then, then your environment as well. Yeah. It's tough for type A personalities. It's tough for athletes, especially in a discipline as competitive as rain cow horse. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a huge margin for error. So every opportunity you have to improve, you got to take it. Mm-hmm. That being said, it is it is quite common for folks to drive to a point where it's not functional training anymore. You're not doing any good, you know? You're wearing, right. you're wearing the animal out. You're wearing yourself out. You got it. Breaking the spirit of the animal, breaking the spirit of yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough, yeah. tough lesson to learn and. And mm-hmm. I used to, I used to kind of take that approach, right? I, I would figure, hey, we're going to go out and figure whatever, A, B, C, and D today mm-hmm. and drill it and drill it and drill it and drill it and mm-hmm. drill it until it shows up and you see a little bit of success and then you drill it and drill it and drill it and drill it and then the horse don't More. find it because they're checked out, right? It's not, not, not fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been days... I'd say within the last year, year and a half, I've really started to pay a lot more attention to the animal and their reception to to me as a rider. And, mm-hmm. and shoot, sometimes sometimes days are fifteen minutes. We go out, we set an objective. Yes. They yes. they hammer it. They do everything that I ask of Nail them. Nail it. And, then what know, are you gonna do? Like, yeah, oh, thanks. You did what I asked. <sighs> yeah, time to put it up for the day. But it's tough, yeah, right? Especially when you're going as hard as you were going with the rain cow horse stuff. And when when I went back to riding I so I couldn't you know you're absolutely right but I you know I couldn't even get back on her for six months physically I was not allowed to <laughs> trust me my horse my husband wasn't you know running to drive me to the barn you know yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right so I you know I kind of disappeared from her life and then um kind of showed back on day one you know where I can get back in the saddle you know, I just had so much anxiety. We basically, we had to rewind completely back to the walk trot, back to the walk trot. I thought I could just jump right back in, work with the groups I was working with on the kinds of things we were doing. And, and it didn't matter. Dry work, cow work didn't make any difference. Essentially, my horse felt me and there was way too much anxiety and uh, tentativeness and so fear. elaborate on that because obviously we talk a lot about horsemanship on this program and working with mm-hmm. the horse. You say mm-hmm. the horse felt you. Mm-hmm. What is mm-hmm. the horse feeling? What do you think the horse is feeling? <laughs> well, I'm just learning this. So, you know, uh, I'm a, somebody much more expert than me could probably answer better, but I can tell you what I think she felt. Um, uh, she probably felt the speed of my heartbeat. She uh, probably felt some kind of grip and clench. I have no idea physically what she felt, but I know that she felt my anxiety and she felt my fear and that broke her confidence. She would just, and literally her response was almost exactly like mine. She started to kind of dance her feet. Her feet would get real skittish, kind of, she just started tap dancing around and kind of she became nervous. She became I mean, a reflection of your emotion. She really was a reflection of my emotions. And I and I wonder sometimes, too, and I'd love to hear other people's stories about this, but in my case, honestly, I think I happen to have picked a horse, Jubilee, that is kind of the horse version of the human Sandy. So she, we're very much 
similar in uh, she's very intuitive. She's smart. She's athletic. She's sensitive. And I'm all those things. And so that can be a good thing, but that can be a bad thing when you put two people like that together, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like complimentary is better. Like somebody gets on real calm and they're really, you know, laid back by nature. That's just not my natural nature. So I have had to learn to be more um, relaxed. I have had to learn to be softer. I have had to learn to, so to compliment and give her what she needs because she's already amped. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's, that's the joy in it, right? That's the gift that we get with horses is that if you truly care as much as you care about your performance, the animal's success, your success, uh-huh. you have no choice but to reflect on yourself Yeah. and make those changes. Boy, well said, Jason. So true. And I, and I, again, I, I need to turn to my trainer. So now, by now, I have a new trainer. So Christy, you know, was pregnant and she moved on and uh, enter Kim Compeli. Well, Kim had to talk me off the ledge as much as she <laughs> needed to help me with technique because I was really having to restart. You know, they, I think in some ways, they, a good trainer that knows you and knows your horse acts as kind of a therapist for you as well. Um, Bless her heart. So. (laughs) No, I mean, you look at, you look at any situation. (laughs) To help you look at yourself and and help you um, uh, discern what's going on and stick and find solutions. I think that's it because then we get stuck and we're trying to figure out and your horse gets stuck. You're trying, you're stuck. And then, you know, the, that wise trainer with feet on the ground and practical uh, experience um, and answers can say, here, let's try this, do this, try this, and it's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah, let's absolutely. Let go. You gotta, and sometimes right. you have to mess it up, right? How do you, how do you know how good you're going to go? Or how do you know right. where your shelf is if you don't try to find it? Right, right, absolutely. And oftentimes our shelf's a lot higher than what we give ourselves credit for. Our what? I said oftentimes we give ourselves... Excuse me, our shelf is a lot higher. Our shelf, okay, Our ability, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Our plateau, mm-hmm. however you want to describe it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot higher than what we, what we give ourselves credit for. You know, mentally, we take ourselves out of the game before we do mm. physically. Right. And I think that's definitely true, I think, in all of the best of circumstances. But I think especially perhaps post-trauma where you're, you know, you need, you need grace. You need somebody to say, work through it. You know, here's how. Take your time. Yeah, at that point, I think you need, you need a mentor. You need support. You don't. Need you really need support. It comes from trainers. It comes from friends. And you know what? It came from my horse. Yeah. Uh, we. It just took time, you know. And you know, she's had to be patient. She probably doesn't get to do all the things that she likes to do as much as she, <laughs> she used to. <laughs> but we're we're really partnering right now. I feel like we really really um, have come pretty much full circle, like even just recently. So I'm really grateful for that. Oh, I'm glad you guys are seeing the improvement. Oh, most definitely. I think in more than just seeing improvement, I think we really had a turning point, like where, okay, I'm over it. 
the fear is gone. And there comes a point too, I think, and whatever, not just horses, other things, fear comes, fear and timidity come in various forms and, and at various times in our lives, right? It's always there. I just had to look at the fear. I felt like I had enough improvement. Like you said, my horse and I got enough behind us. And then I was still having some anxiety. I said, you know what? This is not serving me anymore. I, I need to be done with this. I need to be over this. I am going to tell you one story of recently an uh, experience that I had, I think, that really helped push me to um, being done with fear and anxiety and being over it and moving forward. And um, it just was a couple of months ago. And my wise husband got this idea, you know, we were going to Colorado and he, he booked us a day long cattle drive excursion up on Pikes Peak, about 9,600 feet and this 76,000 acre pristine land. So that's and, a decent piece of land. Oh yeah, it was fabulous. And, um, we had a really great, you know, first half of the day, you know, trying to find the cattle and this and that. Second half of the day, my husband says, hey, I'm, I'm done with the horses. I'm going to get on the ATV and ride up to the top of the mountains here. My Wrangler, this, this, this ranch was run by two chicks, okay? Oh, dang. They were the Wranglers. 76,000 acres, huh? Yep. I kid you not. And I'm telling you, Jason, the one, she was like about 31 years old, and I thought, she is just like me. Her name is Danielle. And she says, well, you know, Tom is good to go up on the three wheel or whatever, you know, the, uh, up, up to the top. She goes, do you want to ride your horse Don- Dunny full speed with me on mine to the top? I'm like, yeah. She goes, okay. And I mean, there was no time to think about it, Jason. She goes, let's go. Boom. And our horses took off at a gallop up and over these beautiful mountains. They're leaping over rocks, creeks. And at some point I'm like, am I okay? You know, I'm still here. <laughs> you just, yeah, I just said, I just got to trust this horse. There it is right there. And that was it. I had to trust this horse and I just went, let it go. And we went up, we'd go up over a knoll, the horses would take a little break. There, This is almost 10,000 feet. So we're climbing. <laughs> and we went over about five knolls and we get to the tippity top. And my horse literally takes both his feet and goes, boom, stomps, boom, stomp. Like, I'm done. I made Did it. it. We're here. It's behind us. We're here. And I thought, so am I. But I'm isn't not scared it funny? Anymore. People use the analogy oftentimes, right? That that it's not being at the top of the mountain that's the joy and the experience. It's the journey up. And you literally just lived it. That was it. And it was really pivotal. Um, and we stayed up there at that top and, you know, we kind of soaked on our experience, just let that kind of sink in. And, you know, that's something that I've written about and my trainer talks about a lot, you know, like when you're finished on a high note, when something is complete and it's good and it's done, like let that soak for a little bit. Just let it sink in. Assimilate in your horse's body. Assimilate in your own body and mind and spirit. 
And we did that for a bit. And then uh, we went down and rode bareback through the ponds and such. It was, it was just glorious. But, you know, I feel that my husband and his wisdom knew that there was just that one last hurdle. And he says, you know, I've got a little tired of hearing about all your anxiety all the time. Are you over it? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, God, well, God bless him for pushing you, right? Yes, yeah. right? It takes, a, it takes a team of people that, uh, that love you, care about you, you know, to make comebacks. Uh, you know, we're all setbacks and comebacks are the story of our lives. And some are, you know, little ones and some are big ones. And some might seem little to somebody else, but they might be big to me, you know. Oh, absolutely. Um, Right. And because we all are just wired differently. Uh, I feel really good right now that I mean, my trainers see it. My horse feels it now. Like we're free again. I, it's like I feel like we are free. We are free from fear. We have overcome this. It's, and, it's awesome because it so at the beginning of the show, I obviously asked you, you were complimentary of the, the title of the podcast, Let Freedom Reign. Right. You just defined what the title was for me. Mm. I mean, I had my journey and my struggles and my challenges um, in my professional life, and it was it was affecting my personal life. Oh yeah. And and you get weighed down, and and obviously mm-hmm. the 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 title "Let Freedom Reign" is a play on words, but I love it. That's what the that's what the horse has been for me, right? Yes. And that yes. was the motivating factor in this podcast is that I was buried pretty deep. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of a, I can do it on my own type of person, you know, kind of the lone mm. wolf. Yeah, I get that. Confident and calculated and, and mm-hmm. I couldn't dig my way out of a rut. I, I could have mm-hmm. had a backhoe and I couldn't have figured it out. Mm-hmm. But there were very, very small changes in perspective that, that mentors and friends shared with me. And right. it was that small change that turned my ship 180 degrees. And, and that's mm. been the biggest draw for me in, in interviewing the folks that I interview. It's... Mm-hmm. It's for people to be real, right? This isn't fantasy land. We're not psychologists. Mm-hmm. This isn't academia. These are people that have lived in the trenches, right? Experienced, personally experienced the setbacks and the downfalls and the challenges and the adversities, right? And they all have living proof. They all are living proof that there is a way, and sharing their perspectives hopefully will turn the page on somebody else's story for the better. Right on, Jason. And, you know, we really do have that in common in our story. Similarly, you know, there was trauma like 20 years ago. I was in, I had really suppressed my authentic self to some degree because I was, didn't really want to take risk again. Mm-hmm. You know, so this, this journey for the horse for me, like, like you, it's a freedom story. <laughs> it's no, a freedom it's, it's story. Amazing. And it's like, okay, I'm, I work past that. I can work past that thing that was troubling me for 20 years. Yeah, the and, enrichment of my life is just so much more right. once I started to pay attention to what the, the horse has to right. say to me. Yes, yes. So so good. That's so good. I love and that. And I tell, I tell folks, and I truly believe it, I, I posted it previously on social media, and some of the greatest conversations I've had with my horse, not a word's been spoken. Mm, I'm getting there now. I'm, I'm, I'm Yeah. I'm feeling that now, and that's so it's so um, unique. You know, you, you get these people that sit there and talk to their horse or try mm-hmm. to talk themselves through something. Mm-hmm. There's been mm-hmm. days where we just sit in the pen together, and 
it's enough. It's enough to help me find a little clarity in whatever my adversity or challenges in that season of my life. And mm-hmm. it truly is a blessing to have that mentor in your life. It's a perspective that a lot of folks, I don't think, I can't say maybe don't appreciate or, or aren't cognizant of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes a certain amount of reflection, doesn't it? Um, and willingness to look at ourselves. And the reflection um, is tough sometimes. Yeah. Boy, no, no kidding. Uh, as a, as a, a, a journal writer, trust me, there've been many things I've written and torn up and I just needed to write them <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because sometimes it's painful. Yeah. Um, it's your so way of metabolizing it. It's a way of metabolizing and working through things. No, no doubt about that. So I love it. So did you happen to read my, my little ditty call, uh, it's a little poem. It's a, it's really a freedom song. It's called Feeling Jubilee. Did you happen to read that? I, I, no, is that on the blog? Article? Yeah, it's just an article. So let's it's talk a, about that really quick. Let, yeah. Let's introduce it. SandyRebar.com. S-A-N-D-Y-R-I-B-A-R.com. That's your blog site. I have mm-hmm. spent a lot of time reading a lot of your material. I've not made it to Jubilee yet. So why don't, why don't we explain <laughs> Jubilee a little bit? Well, Jubilee is the name of my horse that we've been discussing. And um, like I said, she's, she's a little fork. 14-1 Sorrel Quarter Horse. She's been the um, the co-star in, in the story of my life of uh, finding this freedom that we've been discussing and uh, my partner, and she's just been great. So, yeah, I, I want to read you this little poem. Go ahead. Okay. So it's a little, it's a little play on words, as you'll get, but the, it's called Feeling Jubilee. It's all about feel, says my instructor with zeal, as I put up my horse, Jubilee. But this sense of feel, if I can be real, doesn't always come naturally. Need to lighten my touch, stop thinking so much, feel the flow, let it go. Like the Jubilee that sets a heart free at different seasons and times of the year, or my horse who lopes and gallops with glee, chasing the wind, or a steer. I couldn't be fonder of this double entendre, feeling joy as these rhymes come along. My heart may explode as I write this ode, Jubilee, my freedom song. You had me at feeling Jubilee. As soon as you announced the title and knowing, <laughs> knowing the absolute spitfire of a horse you have, it was it. No, Aww. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing, amazing. I mean, two parallels there. You talk about physically feeling the horse, right? Physically mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. lightening your touch and your softness and all that. But then mm-hmm. you talk about the feeling, the emotional side of it. And, and that's yeah. what, that's what I'm trying to drive folks to. I mean, it's an, it's an amazing experience to be on the same page with an animal. And, mm-hmm. and I have plenty of road left to travel in my journey, but the few miles that we've traveled, I'm very, very grateful for. That's so great. That is so neat. So um, in going mm-hmm. back to your blog, uh, mm-hmm. You previously mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago. Let's talk mm-hmm. about your your blog post on on soaking. Yeah, so um, you know, soaking is a word that has a lot of different meanings, right? And I've come to appreciate it in a lot of new ways. And and it was really one day with my one of my with my writing instructor Kim, and she she uses it all the time at the end of a session, you know. And that's when we stop and reward our horses with time to absorb what they did what we did together it's not only using horse horses you see it in uh, yoga instructors do that you know when you kind of 
take some time at the end and kind of just let let what you did and what your body did and what your mind did kind of soak in. And it goes against the tendency to just move quickly from one thing to the next. So it just takes a little bit of time, you know, time to assimilate uh, what we experienced and what we learned. And and that, what, that could be whether it's good or bad or happy or sad, <laughs> right? So just to take time to reflect on things. And sometimes I think that can re, we, we practice that, we can sometimes even start to see recurrent themes and trends of growth uh, in our lives. And um, so uh, I often think meditation and prayer forms of this as well. So it's taking time. No, I think it's an extremely valuable concept, not only with working with horses, but I think folks in their personal lives would benefit tenfold from it. And mm-hmm. you hit the nail on the head in a world of instant gratification mm-hmm. where we never have time for anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just we're on to the next event, on to the next event, on to the next challenge, on to the next priority, whatever it is uh-huh. in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we as human beings don't take time to mm-hmm. reflect inherently. You uh-huh. may be fo- faced with a challenge, you overcome that challenge. And that was my life growing up. My folks used to always get on me about not appreciating accomplishments. And I said, well, what am I going to appreciate? It's something I set out to do. If I set out to do it, I achieve it. And when I achieve it, I finish my goal or my mission or whatever it is, and it's on to the next one. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now looking back, I wish I would have taken more time to reflect and mm-hmm. understand where I came from or understand what those life lessons are. Mm-hmm. I'm appreciative for my development, my growth, and, and where I came from and what I did before learning this concept. But mm-hmm. I think it offers so much more value. And, and if you think about it as a battery... Mm-hmm. all this stimulus in our life just drains that battery. And if soaking were the recharge time on that battery, mm-hmm. there's going to come a point when that battery runs dry. And if we do not recharge it, it's of no value. Right. And I, and I think that's a testament to people in their their own lives and in their relationships with other individuals and their, their professional careers alike. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. And, 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 you know, you being an athlete and, you know, describing a little bit about your own personality, you know, I think you're a lot often, you know, if you're a high achiever, you know, you just, you're, that's the driving force, yeah. achieving the next thing. Yeah. You, so your, your parents were giving you a word of wisdom that you're now really, um, yeah, unfortunately it took me a few getting. years to figure it out, but <laughs> right. The world is not typical. I really no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I've eight. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It takes some things just take time. You we know, it goes to riding horses, way. right? I mean, the 15 minutes mm-hmm. that you spend just sitting in the middle of the arena, uh, mm-hmm. after a good workout or, or even when mm-hmm. you're in between drills, right? Right. You work on a particular oh, yeah. event or a drill between, and then give it a few definitely. minutes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big, important thing. Absolutely. It's going to do tenfold for your horse versus spending those two or three minutes you would soak and drilling more. Exactly. And again, that's a, it's just a concept I've learned through my trainers. Like, just take a minute. Let's just take a minute. Let that, you know, and she'll literally say, let that soak in for a minute. That's what we're, that's what we're doing right here. We're just letting that soak before we move on. And, and the other thing is finish on a positive note, you know, just finish positively. Don't work to frustration whenever possible, you know, try to try to finish on something positive yeah. and let that be the last thing Absolutely. that we remember. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now you had another blog entry titled Setbacks and Comebacks. Mm-hmm. 
and it's the story of most folks' lives. Absolutely. What was the inspiration for this publication? Because most folks hopefully get a chance to go to sandyrebar.com after this episode, but <laughs> most folks probably haven't had the chance to to read that publication yet. Uh, what was the inspiration for doing this, like creating this publication? Yeah, how, did, how, how do you come yeah. to the concept of setbacks and comebacks? I mean, what was the driving force in your life? Right, that that particular article you're exactly. talking about. Yep. Yes, I see. Well, uh, I think I mentioned to you in the beginning of our interview that I had been keeping personal reflective journals for many, many years. So I, I literally went through and if you really want to know the process, <laughs> I took post-it notes and I said, every time I wrote about a setback, and I, and, you know, what are the repetitive themes that I see in my life as I uh, learned and grew from you know, 25, 30 years of journaling experience, right? There was all different phases of life. And I found that I was always writing about setbacks, one kind or another, and how, what tools I was using at the time to overcome those setbacks and, and make the comeback necessary. And that's why I can say, I know that setbacks and comebacks are the story of our lives because it's the story of my life. I saw that over and over not just horses. That's just something in the last seven years for me. I've got a lot more than seven years on this uh, on this planet, and so it was just um, just pulling uh, various stories and seeing that that was a repetitive theme. And if I have a repetitive theme in my life, I know that that's so do other people. It's not, I'm not the only one, right? So I try to write things that I know that are not unique to me. I might have a unique example. But I know that they're universal to all people. All people will agree with me when they say, yeah, setbacks and comebacks have been the story of my life. That's every time I grow, it's because something happened that I had to overcome. So I, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but, you know, in particular, I kind of focused on the... Um, on the uh, that accident, that horse accident. But at the end of that article, I also asked the question, you know, like in fitness, for example, we know we have cumulative muscle memory, right? Correct. So the more we do something, the easier it is to do it. And the, so that's one of those rare things that I can say that as you get older, you get better because you have more muscle memory, right? If you've been practicing something over and over and over, then even if you have a setback, your comeback to that is faster. I say this to in, in the fitness world all the time. Well, shoot, you've been working out your whole life. Great. Because now if you're, you know, if you can't work out for six months, like your comeback's going to be faster than a teenager that's just starting out today. So, you know, the hope is in emotional, whether our setbacks are emotional or mental or spiritual, that hopefully cumulative muscle memory <laughs> will work in our favor that I can come, we can make comebacks in quicker and come back stronger and faster the longer that we live. No, that's, it's very, uh profound perspective. Uh, I do like the the the, talk, the part where you talk about self-reflection, you know, and trying to find those common themes. It's something I've never done, but you definitely opened my eyes into to another perspective of uh, mm -hmm. self-reflection, you know, and memorializing those setbacks and those reoccurring themes and then mm -hmm. being able to soak and find a way to, to overcome them. You also yeah. brought up a phenomenal mm -hmm. point that I think is not discussed in a lot of horsemanship or, or horse venues and and that is personal fitness. Yeah. 
believer. Yeah. What are your, obviously with your fitness background, you're a huge proponent of it, but what are some things you think folks could do or small changes that people can make in their life to increase their fitness as related to, to writing? Yeah, it's a great question. I think most and uh, horse trainers would tell you that the most important thing, I'm not a horse trainer, but uh, a riding instructor, but would tell you that the most important thing you can do is keep your core best, you know, is to keep a strong core for your balance. So anything related to, you know, keeping strong through your abs and your back, you know, your entire trunk, your center of your body, basically. Um, and that can be uh, done in a lot of real simple ways, you know, uh, that can be, uh, you know, doing yoga, that can be uh, through doing Pilates, that can be, you can get videos on, you know, you can learn that stuff um, without having to spend a lot of money uh, going to a gym. But if you do have opportunity to work with a personal trainer, all the better even to get some tips that you can then practice at home. I think consistency is the most important thing. So, you know, it's more daily habits uh, than it is go and, you know, work out really hard and now you're too sore, you can't make it back. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's funny. I listened to uh, another podcast and there was a mixed martial arts trainer that was Uh on the podcast and he said, I'm going to, I'm basically going to sell a concept right now that, People are going to think I'm the biggest idiot in the world for selling. But if you train to the point of being sore, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because it's going to take days for those muscle groups to recover. And those are days that you can't work on and he hit on the muscle memory, the muscular conditioning, you know, the neurological conditioning of the muscles, you know, and those brain waves and thought patterns. That's been my biggest struggle, I'll tell you, in fitness, especially after baseball ended. Mm-hmm. And fitness wasn't necessarily quite the priority that it used to be. Mm-hmm. It's the consistency. You know, I'll have times where I, mm-hmm. where I do real, real well. And I consider mm-hmm. myself disciplined. But when you look at the grand scheme of things, uh, I right. like discipline quite a bit when it comes to fitness. And and those small changes and manageable changes are what we're trying to sell to folks, you know. Right. And um, I think, you know, if we're lucky and we like fitness, like, you know, I have to say it's easy for me because that's, I mean, I just love that. And I was kind of born like that. I like to go to the gym. I like to work out, but not everybody does. Correct. So, right. So, you know, you have to find ways that work for you. Um, Now, I would say that when I had my big injury, so I was, I had two and a half years, sorry, a year of physical rehab, basically on my arm. That forced me to have to learn to do things at home more. And that was really helpful in a way because I'm like, okay, great. Um, I can work with a TRX, you know, pulling my body weight right here and hang that right on my door at my house. And that's going to help my shoulder. I can get in my paddleboard, my my kayak, and I can do push-pull, right? I'm going to work with an oar here. I can get a mat out and I can do some modified push-ups or maybe I'm going to start those on the wall. Okay. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, little by little, I started adding more equipment and, and building more strength. So I have like a little mini gym in my house now. And I'm like, it's so expedient. It's great. You know, you, you don't have to go to the gym. Yeah, you don't have to pay for membership. You don't have to travel to the gym. You don't. You really don't. There's so much good. It's like what you said uh, about the horsemanship clinics. 
and the training available to people today. So, you know, similarly, there, I mean, there are many resources online. You can Google up core exercises and find five and try them. And there's some really good material out there. No, that's great. That's great. I wish I wish I made it more of a priority in my life. Obviously, I'm doing better than than years past and especially when I when I wore myself out and was burnt out. I mean, fitness was definitely on the back burner. I just placed too much of a priority on my my profession. And yeah. I'm getting back to it. Normal. And, and what's yeah. what's been not giving time to ourselves. Exactly. What's <laughs> really? what's been uh exciting is learning, you know, the functional nutrition side of it. Mhm. It was easy growing up because you're young and you can eat like a hog and your body does pretty well and mm-hmm. and metabolizing it and processing it. But now as we it age, shifts. you know, there's, there's, yeah, there's a years. lot more science to it. Um, yep, yep. But it's yep. it's amazing what little food you can survive on, what little food it takes. You know, small changes, small manageable changes like we talked about before mm-hmm. can have a huge effect on, you know, how you feel, your energy levels throughout the day. Uh, brain you function so you don't you don't get in right. that fog anymore it's 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 yes. enlightening the proper foods and yeah. yeah right some good good vegetables and such as that so yeah it's it's something um it's a lifelong practice you know and i'm grateful to be physically fit and be able to get on my horse or do whatever i want and be able to do it right yeah and i'm glad and that's part of why i keep my horse in training too because i want her to be able to stop pivot turn and go yeah. Stop, pivot, turn, go. Stop, pivot, go, and go. Like that takes fitness for her. I want her to be able to run fast. So, for all the same reasons, you know, we keep our horse in training, we keep ourselves in training so we can do the things we want to do, whether that's riding a horse or doing our everyday chores, right? So, our functions of our job or fun things with our family. So, you know, we just want to be able to do them. Yeah. And uh, it just takes that. So it's great um, to give yourself that time. And it doesn't take a long time. You yeah. know, you I, t- I tell folks 30 I mean, minutes a day, boom, done. I often ask people who face similar challenges to myself when I say the word investment, what is the first thing that comes to mind? And usually it's financial based, right? Uh, stocks or real estate uh-huh. or, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then I ask people, have you ever considered yourself an investment? Mm, I love that. Yeah, that is so good. And I've seen my husband now. This is a good, you've touched on what I see my husband doing now. Because he, he similarly came to the same conclusion. He goes, you know, I watch my stock portfolio all the time. But I, I think my body is is really the most important thing I need to be watching. And I'm like, right on. No. You know? so, and good he, for him. Yeah. And, you know. He's just starting, like, really showing consistency in his own fitness routine. Um, he, you know, he's walking every day and he's paddle boarding. He's starting to lift a little weights, like it's just, and I'm, and he's just doing something every day. Just That's do awesome. it every day. Sustainable change. Yep. There Sustainable you go. change. You got it. You got it. Good. 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 Well, before we go, mm-hmm. I know you have there on the blog re-inspired uh-huh. not retired yeah <laughs> i think it is an awesome awesome perspective thank you share with folks who may be in that retired portion of their life or coming up on it uh-huh. right a little insight okay. as to to how you came to be with that 
Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, you know, I think it, the, the place where I am in my life, you know, it's like, it seems like everybody is either, you know, I, so I'm in the, you know, if you have a hundred years to, you, to live, I'm in the third quarter. So everybody's either talking about retirement or they're planning for it or they're celebrating it or they're enjoying it. And, um, and, and that's good, you know, because work and career takes a lot of our time and, and, and we want more for us. But I think for me, and maybe it's not just retired time, retirement time of life. I think I've always had a little struggle moving from phase to phase in life, you know, whether you're going into parenthood or you're going into retirement, whatever it is, I could use all the support I can get in moving from season to season. Yeah. It's hard to leave comfort. Yes. Right. And you don't want to leave things, you know, so I was kind of having some, it was bothering me. I was having like some anxiety about that. Like, oh gosh, I'm maybe just not ready for this, you know, or maybe I'm not accepting the progression of time. And, you know, like maybe I'm resisting the move into a new season, you know? And, and then again, you know, sometimes like, so that might be me, but somebody else might have had an unplanned event that brings retirement about unexpectedly, maybe they're in it and they feel lost, you know? So to me, to me, I feel like regardless of whatever phase we're in, we want to be growing. We want to be learning new things. We want to be recreating ourselves and re, uh, re-inspiring ourselves. And so, I mean, I could go and probably give you a list and so could you. Start writing out words that start with re and yeah. you will be astounded. Uh, revisit, redo. And it's like, great, because that's endless, right? So that kind of, I feel like that, um, you know, to re-inspire and be growing and to to keep ourselves inspired, no matter what phase of life we're in, um, that's healthy. Yeah, it's a chance to do it better. That's right, too. Yeah. That's right. Hopefully easier. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. There's some things oh, that yeah. I hope are going to become easier. <laughs> yes. 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 And that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a testament to part of this podcast, right? Is leaving that legacy, trying to make it a little easier for the folks that come behind us and facing yes. some of these parallel challenges. Right on. And that's exactly what you're doing. And that's why I'm so grateful for what you are doing. And I meant that in the beginning of our our talk. And and um, I I just want to restate that, like you said. Um, you know, there are different forms, like somebody can write about it, somebody, you know, in your case, you're doing uh, interviews and sharing these podcasts uh, in many ways. We are not islands. We're on this earth to encourage and support one another and to motivate and inspire one another with whatever gifts and talents and modes we have. I'm excited and so grateful that you are doing this because I I think uh, many people will benefit. No, it's great. It's great to hear the support. Phenomenal community, the horse community, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. tough people out there. And this is just me doing my part to try to help out. You know, I, I fell on my face and I learned a little bit. And if I could help the guy that comes after me to fall a little softer, or maybe mm-hmm. not even fall at all, I, I feel I owe it to them. Yeah. There's been plenty of people that have come before me and helped me in my journey. Mm-hmm. And I feel we as human beings owe it to the to the next generation to try to try to leave a legacy, you know, beneficial to them. Yes. Well said. Perfect. So before we sign off, I know we talked a lot about reflection and a lot about growth. Do you have any 
any parting wisdom or, or anything else you would like to share as far as your blog goes? Uh, no, I'm going to keep writing my my blog. You know, like you said, the byline, re-inspired, not retired. I've, I've been uh, kind of had a little, um, I'm due for a new post. I haven't written anything in a couple of months. Um, and uh, so watch for my next post. It's called Over It. Perfect. And, and uh, so I'll keep doing that. And I'm going to keep, you know, riding the journey with my horse Jubilee, uh, overcoming obstacles through teamwork, perseverance, and a little help from the chief. Perfect. <laughs> Just <laughs> well, Sandy, again, thank you very, very much for making time for Let Freedom Reign and, and all of our guests and um, yeah. all of our listeners, and, and we sure appreciate you uh, and your testimony. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of the day. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, Jason. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash let freedom reign podcast. Again, we thank you and we'll see you on the next one.